0: Hello everyone, this is Adam here, and this is a special edition of our podcast. I'm actually recording this intro at my home office after visiting Connect Europe, which has just taken place as a hybrid event across the 4th and 6th of October. The physical part actually took place at London in the O2 Intercontinental Hotel. Fabulous event, fabulous venue. Um, And I got to sit down with two of the team from Cvent. The first part of the podcast, I got to sit down with Patrick Smith, Senior Vice President chief marketing officer at Cvent and we got to talk to him about how he approaches event marketing. Cvent attend over a thousand events as exhibitors sponsors and they obviously host a number of those themselves, their own luncheons, sales kickoffs, and their two large events, Cvent Connect Europe and Cvent Las Vegas being those two major events for them. I got to sit down with Patrick and we talked about how he also utilizes marketing and event data to create a more personalized content programs, how they approach year-round engagement community and many many other things just a gentle reminder this is recorded like i said at an event so there is in some cases a little bit of background noise but hopefully that won't be too intrusive please give it a like and a share and comment on linkedin and we'll see you in the next episode
1: i'm responsible for helping to build our company's brand and do a lot of lead generation for sales they, they like leads driven from marketing so We work a lot just to get the word out about what we do, what our solutions do, and how we help customers and the industry at large kind of think about the events landscape.
0: And what's your role being as part of
1: Seabed Connected? So my team runs it. So I guess you could look at me as the master of ceremonies, I guess, maybe at the highest level and my team create the agenda. We get the speakers, the promotion plan. That's all us, you know, how it looks is my group, so this is really kind of my event and my team's event. A lot of participation from the rest of Cvent, from our product team, our customer success team, sales of course has a big role and many others. But this is really a showcase for our brand and what we do and that's fundamentally a marketing thing at Cvent. Awesome.
0: One of my first questions to you then would be what are the differences now when it comes to event marketing? Have yeah. things changed? Have the trends changed? I think the biggest thing
1: that's changed is the options that are available to us right now, right? I think back, and I was just did a couple of sessions today, and I was talking about the differences between the past and now. You know, back in 2018 or 19, I think I had run one virtual event in my career that was an experiment back in the 2000s, and it was using a technology, and everything was recorded, and it just wasn't really all that interesting. And now... You can reach this vast audience if you do a hybrid event. So I think that the trick with event marketing now is when you're thinking about your event program, what type of event do you format do you want to leverage? And for us, it makes total sense to have this event be a hybrid event because we want to get people on site. We want to be able to interact in person like we're doing now. But all of the goodness of C-Event, that storytelling, the thought leadership, the best practices, those conversations that we want to have, we want as many people as possible to participate in those. That's why we have a virtual component. If you have accessibility you know, issues, you can join the conversation online. And if you're interested in sustainability and you don't want to travel necessarily, you can take advantage of that option. So what we really want to do is create a program that suits everyone and their needs and their interests in terms of how they want to attend. And not limited to just in-person or just virtual. We want the deep interaction we get here, but we also want to showcase the to as wide an audience as possible. And that's where virtual comes in. So it's about marketing the event with the idea that we're not touting in-person versus virtual necessarily, we're giving you options. And you choose the option that's right for you, and we're gonna have everything
0: available to you to experience this event however you want to. I'd love to come back to that options bit in, in a little bit. How, from an event marketer's perspective then, do you find it easier or more challenging to budget I mean, we have budgets, of
1: course. You know, we're, we're a publicly traded company, so we need to make sure that we hit all our financial targets. But at the same time, we get such a, a strong value here that every time someone comes to see us, it's an advantage to receive it. So we're certainly not going to turn people away, you know, in terms of, hey, we have more in-person people than we thought. But we'll make sure that we have contracts that are somewhat flexible around F and B and that sort of thing. So, you know, if we're finding that we're not getting as many people, maybe we can adjust downward. If we're finding that we are, then we have some incentives potentially with the venue. So we try to be flexible in terms of that, but we're never going to turn people away. And we are going to want to encourage people to come here in person. And if we if the budget is a little bit higher as a result, we'll probably take it because the, it's worth it for
0: cement. Do you think then, going forward, all of C-Events' events events will have a hybrid component to them? No, I don't
1: think so at all. In fact, Adam, one of the things that we were talking about as a best practice is this concept of a total event program. So you want to look at your events not in silos, not as points in time, but as something that is a program that is thoughtfully constructed. So at C-Event, in a given year, we'll either host or attend about 1,000 events a year. So that's everything from our own in-person lunches, where we go to a restaurant, we have lunch, and we tell you about Cvent products. That's always going to be in person because we found that works better, right? When you have a restaurant meal as the incentive, you kind of need it to be in person unless you're sending a DoorDash voucher or something. So those are in person. Then we have our own webinars that we use with Cvent technology. We had an event actually in the spring that was all virtual, it was a travel summit. It was all virtual, three or four hours, five hours of programming that was virtual, but then we had Meetups in London and around the US and different cities to get together in person for cocktails and to discuss the day. So, I guess that would be considered a hybrid event, but it was definitely virtual, the programming piece, but then you had this meetup element as well. So, we have that in our mix. We have this event, this user conference, the big marquee events. We have Cvent Connect US, Cvent Connect Europe. This is an event we'll do hybrid because we want to make sure that everyone can see this event story and and really talk about the industry and what we need to do to collectively build this industry and keep the momentum going. So here is where we'll invest in hybrid. But I think that the important thing for us is be thoughtful, don't just don't just be one size fits all don't go all virtual, all in person. I don't think you need a hybrid event for that lunch and learn that we talked about, right? You don't need necessarily to, to broadcast that to people. But we also do things on demand too. So we'll have events where we might record something and then use it after the fact. So all these things are at our disposal. The key is we use C-Event technology to manage it all. So we have one system of record on our events. We know who attended this webinar that also we want to see in person at this trade show because we know they're on the list who we saw at the trade show that we want to invite to Cvent connect as a vip so you can put all that information together in one place and it allows you then to make smart decisions about how to market the event how attendees and delegates are interacting at the event and then what you can do with that from a marketing perspective in the old days if you had one system for webinars one system for virtual one system for in person you might not be able to put that picture together so that's important because people spend a lot of money and to maximize budget, you need to know who's doing what and how they're interacting and who likes what and so forth and build your event program around the
0: options that the market wants to see. Brilliant. There seems to be some difference of opinion on what's classed as a webinar and at what point does that become a virtual event? A really great question. In fact, I just my session I just got out of, I was moderating a
1: panel and that was one of the questions I asked the panelists what is an event these days so i don't think there is a specific definition of a webinar right i think in in many ways i think the approach we're taking is we want to make sure that the world understands that the old webinar of the past is just not going to work as well anymore just i've been i spent so many years at them droning over top of a powerpoint where i would maybe even record it might not even be live where i'm just talking to a slide so the audience is sitting back hearing me drone on over top of a slide. Next slide. I'm droning on over top of that. They're not interacting with me. They're not interacting with anyone else. They're just hearing me talk, not even seeing me talk. That's just not going to work anymore. So we're taking virtual event best practices and saying, use them for webinars. Have 30-minute webinar that that is considered a webinar because I think that has meaning to when you're promoting a webinar. People know it's short, bite-sized, maybe not bite-sized, but not three hours long. It's maybe a one-session affair right where i'm just going to go and listen to the story or the topic at hand and but we're saying use virtual event best practices have multiple speakers don't have it be live put interstitials in between when people are in the waiting room for the webinar run an ad run a video promote your next event with a neat video snippet we use our own technology to make sure that You're not just hearing me drone over a PowerPoint. Maybe when I first come on screen and I'm live, it's just me talking to you. And then we have a detailed slide next. So you won't see me, but you'll hear me. I'll be talking to a detailed slide. Then we do a poll and we discuss the poll and people can be chatting. What did you think of the results? And then you change the layout and I am side by side, content on the left, me on the right. So we're dynamically changing this up like you'd see at a TV show. And that keeps people interested. There's dynamism to what I'm seeing. I don't think one thing's a webinar and one thing's a virtual event. But what I would say is take the best practices of high production values for virtual events and use those for your webinars. You'll get greater attendance. You'll get more buzz. People will stay the whole time. You'll get all this interaction going. And every time you have interactions going, when people are asking questions, they're chatting, they're taking polls, we're capturing that as information on what you're interested in. And we can use that then for marketing. I think people are going to understand what a webinar is on the receiving end. But I think probably if you polled enough people, they might say a virtual event equals multi-session, multi-hour, whereas a webinar would be shorter. But I'm not sure there is a distinction, to be honest with you. Is a webinar event or not? We tend to think it is, right? Because it's just one of those things you want in your total event program. You want your webinar strategy to work
0: in concert with your larger event strategy. The definition of an event for me is just bringing people together at a moment in time. That's a great point.
1: And I think, but but I've actually, you know, if I could expound upon that a second. With the exception of something like a sporting event, right, which is really to watch the event versus to interact. If the audience is together around the topic, then I think it's an event. But just watching a football game or something is kind of like you're watching that group of people. But there's a lot of interesting parallels between the hybrid world and what's happening in sports as to what's happening in events, where some people want the in-person experience. Other people love watching from their couch, and that's great. It's great. People can consume that event however they want to. That like sporting event, I should say. So, so that's a lot of the thinking in hybrid, too, as to why you want to have a hybrid
0: experience. Do you think virtual present an opportunity for people who are not event organizers? I have a group of event organizers that run this
1: event. That is not the same team that traditionally ran webinars. But what's interesting is some of my events team now got into a lot of the production values around webinars. Mm -hmm. So, webinars were something that the marketing department could easily kind of throw together. And yet, events were something that the event organizing group would really pioneer. And now, those lines are blurring. We have people that we had some of our event planners that really got to know technology really well to do that layout I was talking about, to do the run of show, because you really need a run of show for a virtual event as a webinar now. It's not droning over top of PowerPoint. It's this five minutes, it's Patrick with this scene. These two minutes, the scene switches. Now we're gonna run a video. Now we're gonna take a poll. Now we're gonna do full screen Patrick. Now we're gonna do, you know, Adam talking over top of the PowerPoint, right? So all this, you really need to run a show and that goes right into the event organizers. And that's why these things are coming together. So I think one of the cool things out of the pandemic is this merging of marketing departments where events are now collectively run. There's a merging of skill sets. Event planners and organizers are not just caring about how long the buffet line is and was the check-in experience good. They care about leads. They care about engagement. They care about the, the production of the event. And marketers do too, and there, so they kind of have MERS coming from this direction, event organizers coming from this direction.
0: Collectively, we're all better for it. Oh, what's your opinion on multi-hub?
1: You know, I like it. I think it's a good idea. There's a, a big debate in the industry around cannibalization, right? If I run a virtual event, am I going to cannibalize my in-person event? We get this question all the time, and I think our point of view is you're we're going to get more people watching c in action if it's a hybrid event. So yes, maybe some people that would have jumped on a plane, because it's the only way they could see the event, are now going to tune in virtually. But you're going to get far more people watching the event in total, and that's always a good thing. So for a C-Event Connect conference this year, for people watching virtually, a lot of them decided to go in person next year because they saw the magic, they wanted to be in the room. So you're creating a bit of a feeder system for next year's event that you're running as a hybrid event. So when you're talking about the hub and spoke model now, I guess you could say, you know what, if we're going to now have kind of hubs all around the U.S. where we run Connect in Vegas, but we'll have a group of people in New York and a group of people in Miami and in Dallas or something like that, perhaps they're not going to fly on the plane, but you can still get that in-person interaction that you want, and you're probably going to have more people at that event because of it, and you can take advantage of that in-person interaction we like. So I would say that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. So it it is interesting. And we had a German event yesterday when we did the general session with our CEO speaking and our product roadmaps that was broadcast live to Germany. And that group was sitting there watching. And then they had their own afternoon of content just for them. Next year, we'll probably branch that out into other cities. So we like that because chances are maybe a third of those people in Germany would have come here in person. They could have joined online, but we got people gathered together, which is what we want. I think it's a really interesting model. And that's, again, what's so cool about the world we're in. Four or five years ago,
0: no one was talking about this stuff. You mentioned earlier giving people the option of how they interact with things. And the statistic that I became aware of for a connection of mine recently was that there's about 1.2, 1.3 billion people on this planet with some form of disability yep. or accessibility yep. them. It's about 20% of the working age. Yep. And I questioned at that point whether we see 20% of our audience mm-hmm. fall into those categories yes. how important do you think it is that technology providers and as event organizers we make sure that our events mm-hmm. are both forwardly visible to those people right. that we have things in place? it's incredibly important i mean
1: it's event you know we when we do our company-wide and our sales kickoff events they're typically virtual they used to be in person now they're virtual probably do hybrid going forward, but we, we closed caption it. So for people that have hearing disabilities, we make sure that's done. Now, one of the things you have to do though, Adam, is you have to make sure you plan right because we use a, a partner to do the closed captioning. That's not instantaneous. So for some things that are recorded, you need to make sure you give them a day or two of notice to get it done. So that is part of the run of show now. So accessibility is so important, but it does create more complexity for event organizers in terms of how you want to, you know, build your event. But yes, I mean, even with Cvent to allow you for various colors for people that have color deficiencies when they're seeing, you know, on our website, we spend a lot of time making sure that we are, you know, compliant that way. So these are all the, the waves you need. And that's one of the great things about virtual events. It does break down barriers, whether it's economic, whether it's disability, you can't travel, you can still get the benefit of that community and that content and so forth. We're taking accessibility very seriously. It's a really important part of what we need. I was talking many times this week about, you know, a funny little anecdote too. Sometimes we take in-person events mentality, I think. And sometimes it's tough to lose those points of view. Like, you know, we were debating what time do we start our plenary session? Ah, you know what? Let's start at eight minutes late so we can get more people in the room. Well, that doesn't work for the virtual audience where they're sitting there saying, <laughs> what's going on here, right? So once you say you're starting, like it can be a minute or two late, but you can't be eight or ten. So all these things, you have to kind of unlearn some of the things that you used to learn that, hey, you know what? We'll just wait because we'll have a more full room and they'll see the whole story. That doesn't work for a virtual audience. So you just got to learn these things. And I think over time, the
0: industry is getting better at it. I think this is going to be the title of this, of this this interview. We can no longer be eight minutes late. And yeah.
1: then the virtual is going to see dead space, or they're going to leave, mm-hmm. or you better give them a communication. We're going to start eight minutes late. So you just you have to think about that audience now, and it might be the biggest audience you're getting actually.
0: Yeah. Right. You yeah. might have more online than in person. Right. You have access to a lot of data on on customers, and I'm sure you use that for personalization. What areas do you try and personalize? One of the biggest
1: things is in the registration side. If you look at our Cvent Connect events over the years, we've had twenty-ish reg types. So we want to make sure that when that person comes in, whether it's an industry or a persona or you know a type of maybe a geographic, you know, a sort of a constraint or person, you want to make sure that you give that experience. So if if someone is a VIP or an executive and you have a leadership track, that When they log in and they're picking their sessions, they only see those sessions prominently and tagging, and things like that. So it's really the way to create an event that gets people to the right content. So we do a lot of work around making sure that we think through the registration process and then how sessions are then, you know, when you build your agenda, which ones come up for you. And, you know, if I want to tag If I want to say, I want all the marketing sessions, I should be able to do that so I can just see the marketing sessions. If there's sessions on strategic meetings, management, and cost savings, I can sort on that and that'll come up. So you know, we do personalization for sure, but a lot of it is making sure that people can easily navigate and find the content that they want. And that's an important thing we do because it makes the event better and they can discover their content quicker and they can be more apt to register that if they think the event is
0: for them. So it's
1: it's definitely an important part of, of what
0: we do. Would that go as far as what I call it as like design serendipity? Actually, what's of? interesting, we're building something where we know if you, if you connect with someone,
1: you know what sessions they're going to go to or what sessions they've registered for or what event they're going to. In fact we're building event video Center. centers so use all the video assets that you're creating you can put them up online you can use easily edit the videos so you can, you know the recorded session of our keynote you can put that up. we can break it up into pieces and just feature this and tweet about that little video snippet and you can host all your videos after the fact right alongside the next event you're running and then with connections you can see maybe 10 of my connections are coming to this event well i know i need to be there because they're going to be there so that's how you create these sort of connections and, and so forth. So we allow for one-on-one messaging and chatting and that sort of thing and discovering people of like interests. These are all things that we're interested in doing. You,
0: you say you do a vast amount of events. I think you said about 1,000. Yeah, we either sponsor or run our own about 1,000 okay. a, a year. So. For somebody getting out in event marketing or they've been told, right, you're now in the role of deciding what events we go to and uh, delivering them and then actually quantifying the value of those afterwards. What do you look at when it comes to an event activation in terms of has it been valuable for C event? And and I want to just scope that outside of direct Mm -hmm. sales as well. It's a a really good question,
1: Adam. So we could go deep here if you want. You know, for us, when you're selling what we're selling, which could be smaller deals, but they can be multi-million dollar deals and everything in between. It, it's typically not a one-to-one thing where I went to this event and I got a sale. Typically, they're doing other things along the way. So we talk about the concept of the buyer's journey where you, know, you have to realize you have a problem as a buyer. You have to want to seek a solution. You have to find its event, offer something. Then you kick the tires on it, right? So we look at attribution as much as anything. Typically, if we scan someone at a trade show, then they're going to come to our website, then they're going to go onto a webinar, then they're going to do something else, then they're going to download a piece of content. So when we close that deal, we'll look and see how much we think we attribute the event to that final sale. We're doing a lot of this attribution type of work because you often don't see the only tactic being the event, right? May, well, like we'll invite people to our product seminars, there's Lunch and Learns, but we'll know they're engaged because they've engaged with us for the last three months. We think there's someone who wants to learn more, so we'll invite them. We certainly look at that. Like We look at cost and ROI and pipeline created and close one business. We look at that very closely. But some events we run are nothing more than... We need to shake some hands. So we sponsor things we're big on the hotelier side. We have a big, you know, a lot of our business is the event technology side, but we have a significant business selling advertising and software to hoteliers and venues that want to find event planners and organizers. Mm. And for that group of people, they do a lot of shows specific to their hotel chains. We want to go there, but that's not about how many leads we're generating. That's about shaking hands and having dinner with people and so forth so we'll end up looking at how engaged we were at these events right the ones that we're going to so it's not just about a lead number as much as it is we need to be there so ultimately though we'll look and see how much revenue contribution we're
0: getting from these events in your role as an event marketer working with an organization like seeven what excites you about what's coming next potentially for that intersection of technology and marketing and customer engagement mm-hmm. and brand yeah. building and things like yeah. that. So
1: what, what makes me really excited is this notion of building a community around your events. Okay. It's that people don't want to stop the conversations. And if you look at a lot of our investments, this even attendee hub, for example, is used here. It's, it's, it's the, the web-facing version is something where people can interact online that way, but it's also the mobile app. So we have a place, a way, a location for people to keep engaging after events. This event video center I was telling you about is gonna be tied into and, and and available through the attendee hub for you to go back and watch things again and discover who's coming to other events that you're connecting to. You know, we offer these things called networking tables where you can log into the attendee hub. You can have a table of six and basically say, it's six to eight, I think it's six right now, but you could basically say, this table topic is gonna be about sustainability. This one's gonna be about accessibility. This one's about, you know, trends in event marketing or something. Pick your table, you can click the little seat and jump in and suddenly you're having a video conversation Mm. through your computer to people. So it's the idea that people wanna keep the conversation going. They wanna build a community, they wanna say goodbye, see you next year. They want to keep talking. Hey, that was a great conversation. You know what? Unfortunately, the panel was only half an hour, but these 10 people want to keep the conversation going. Allow them to do that. What's the technology to keep people talking? And that's, I think, an emerging space in the events industry is how do I facilitate the conversations to keep people talking, to keep people engaging? Because you just don't want to say goodbye, see you next year. You really want to make sure you stay top of mind. Yep. And give people easy ways to continue the conversation after the fact. And that's something that we're investing in a seed. And some of the things, the video center and some of the other examples I gave is about creating that community as much as possible. And you know what that does? That equals more engagement. More engagement equals more brand building, more leads, more intelligence on your delegates. And
0: that's all good. I often ask organizers... Where is your audience going 363 other days exactly. that they're not your event? That's right. And I actually gave a session, at,
1: and I'd be happy to have another talk with you if you want Adam on this, where I gave a session at C Event Connect last year. And I keep saying last year. It was actually in April, but it feels like last year, about this topic, engaging between events. We're, talking, we're calling it year-round engagement or continuous event engagement. And that's exactly what it's about, is how do you keep the momentum going? Everyone here is a community, right? We're a community of people that love events, that use tech to run better events. Let's keep the conversation going. Let's not say, see you next year in London, right? You really want to do that. So I think it's what better organization than, than event tech providers to, to really lead that charge right? at the end of the day.